Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Howe. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be asking each other four random health IT questions. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. You ready for some surprises, Colin? Yeah. Well, first of all, the surprise for anyone watching this is that you and I are actually in the same room <laughs> recording this for the first time. Yeah. So if the audio is different, you'll know why. But it's kind of fun <laughs> to be together. Like it's a different energy, I think. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For one, I think we're going to be talking over each other for a little more often than we do via Zoom. <laughs> That's actually true. Huh? I mean, it, and it's interesting because Omicron is, uh, you know, like yeah. blowing up and yet we're actually together, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> it is pretty awesome. Yes. Hopefully this will become uh, more of a thing next year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's hear what's your first question for me. Ah, my first question for you, John, in 2022, what is going to screw up healthcare the most other than Omicron or COVID? <laughs> COVID? Oh, what's going to screw up? I think the thing that's going to screw up healthcare the most is going to be telehealth regulation, reimbursement, just all of that, because we've seen how powerful telehealth is for the patient. But I think that we're not going to reimburse it the way we should. Mm. There's going to be the licensing issues across states. It's still going to be a problem. Maybe they'll allow phone. Like that's my only kind of like partial hope is they'll say, okay, yeah, the phone call can still be reimbursed the way it was during COVID. So I think that it's going to be an utter policy disaster in mm. telehealth. So that's my prediction there. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I'd have to agree with you. I think that definitely, you know, we're heading to the trough of telehealth again um, after all of the hype around it last year. So yeah, it'll be interesting if uh, the government screws it up with some reimbursement uh, shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, but what's fascinating is like telehealth growth blew up to like 60% during COVID. And now it's coming down to something more reasonable, but it's still like an order of magnitude larger than it was previous. So it's not a bad thing that, you know, where we're at, but, you know, the legislation is going to be a problem. So, well, I have a different one for you. So if you could change one thing about healthcare IT, what would you change? Oh, man. If I could change one thing about health IT, what would you, you know what I would change? Um, I would change the expectations of funders. Oh. I would go that route. I would, the reason I say that is because I think the money that's coming into healthcare right now has an unrealistic expectation of when they're going to get back that money and what the multiples are. And so they're putting undue pressure on companies that actually have really good products and actually will help but they're trying to drive them to achieve revenue targets and growth goals that are just not practical in healthcare. So if I was to change one thing, because I've met a lot of companies and a lot of entrepreneurs who have fantastic ideas and, and really good business models, but you just look, you know, being industry insiders, we know like, man, that's going to take like five years for it to really get going. Yeah. And you're going to need a few pilots. You're going to need a few like a- avatar customers or exemplar customers. But I think the pressure that they're under is to reproduce results in like year two or year one, right? And I'm just going, that is not possible for the most part in healthcare. So one of the things I would change definitely is the expectations of funders to give these companies the runway they really need because healthcare just moves slowly. 
right? And then when you get slammed by like COVID or you get slammed by just reimbursement changes, all of a sudden your world can change. And mm-hmm. I don't think the money really understands that. And I think some of them do, some investors understand healthcare, but a lot of them don't really understand it. So that's one thing I would definitely change just to spur more innovation so that we have one of these small companies out there. Yeah, There's some healthcare investors that understand it, but there's so many that don't. And exponential in healthcare is a hard thing and it's usually a bad thing. So I think I get you. I would have taken employers out of healthcare and made it all a nonprofit. Uh, like a true nonprofit, not the fake nonprofits that we have in healthcare today. Because, uh, you know, that just, it creates the wrong incentives. I think yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one too, obviously. But, you know, of course, that brings you closer to the Canadian system. I don't know if you like that, John. Like that's. Well, I mean, uh, when I hear you talk about your visits to the doctor, I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And by the way, for everyone listening and watching this, these questions, John and I did not tell each other these questions ahead of time. So that's why we're kind of. <laughs> surprised. We're a little bit surprised, but you'll hear some awkward pauses, I think. Oh, man. So what's your next question for me, John? Yeah. So if you are looking, of course, you want to work at healthcare scene because it's the best company in the world. But if you couldn't, right, or, or, or you know, didn't have that anymore, what three companies would you like to work at? What three health IT companies would you love to go and work at and why? Oh, man, that is, <laughs> you're really putting me on the spot. Um, okay, what three health IT companies would I want to go work at? Um, By the way, this is not a message for those companies to come recruit you. Okay. That's, you know. it's just, it's just, okay. <laughs> we want you here. <laughs> okay. right. Thank you. Wow. You're asking me to play favorites here. This is going to be, this is, I'm going to upset a lot of people, I think, okay. with this answer. Yeah. Says. Okay. So I got to say, number one, I would have to say um, I would kind of be intrigued to work at Redox. Ah. And for, for two reasons. One, I mean, I know of them pretty well, and, and Nico and Luca are awesome. I think they, you know, have a really good culture at the company. So I think that's, you know, I, that's attractive. I think also just because they get a chance to work with so many entrepreneurial companies mm, and, cool. and and work with them and 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 sort of bring them into the into the fold of healthcare. I think that's pretty cool too. Um, and lastly, of course, you know, they got their offices are in cool places, right? They got, <laughs> they got one in Colorado. Denver's and nice. then, you know, Denver's, Denver's pretty nice. And you know. Who, we can't compare to the taco parties that they throw, right? Uh, when we had so them. the tacos sold you. Is that- so really, it's ta- I was really going to say, it's really the taco party that... that- Note to self, hold taco yeah. party. Oh, taco parties. So that's what I definitely have to say. Um, I, I would that, that would be one, a lot of fun to, to be at. Um, the other one I would say that would be fun is... <laughs> this is going to sound funny. Uh-huh. Is I would actually be very interested to work at Epic. Oh, I, that would be. <laughs> and I say that because, hey, I mean, I've never actually been to the campus. So that yeah, would be, that would that be kind would be of fun, fun right? Like just the, the tree house and, you know, all that kind of stuff in Madison. I mean, it'd just be fun. The second thing, I'm just so intrigued by what it's like inside that company. Yeah. Because it, it is a black hole. Like we don't really, <laughs> I don't really talk to a lot of Epic people to see like, what's it like inside? And, you know, there's, I've heard rumors of good and bad working mm-hmm. at the company. So I'm just, I'm just more curious. I think it'll be fun. And, and whether we like it or not, Epic is at the center of a lot yeah. of conversation and a lot of what's happening in healthcare. Right. And so to work at a company like that, 
Um, of course, you know, I'm in marketing, so I don't think I actually get hired there. Well, you'd be the first marketing I'd person first marketing. Epic. I mean, that would be a pretty awesome. <laughs> in fact, you're the right person for that type of position, which is fascinating. That, that would be, that's a plug, by the way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that, that would be, yeah. So, I, you know, I probably wouldn't end up there, but it'd be just intriguing, right? Like it's yeah. just an intriguing company. They're well positioned, obviously. You know, I don't think anyone's talking about them being bought or anything. So they're going to remain independent for sure. a while. So it's, I think there's something about that. So that's that's the second yeah. one. It reminds me of when I was interviewing for jobs before I got into healthcare, actually. And I interviewed for this tech position for some committees and senators in D.C. And the thing that intrigued me most about the job was I want to see what it's really like in D.C. <laughs> like, is it corrupt as I think it might be or is it not? Right. Like, So it's kind of like, what is Epic really like? That's intriguing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and if I had to pick a third company to work um, work at, uh, and this is going to be a weird one. I would actually pick, um, I would, I would, oh, this is so tough, John. I'm like, I've got three in my head. I was going to say, there's like 40 you can choose. (laughs) But I would, I would actually say I would pick, um, the Barrel Institute. Uh, I I would pick to work for the Barrel Institute. Um, I think that first of all, I think their patient experience conference is amazing. I think some of the research they put out is incredible. The people there that I know are are just phenomenal. Jason is, is a, um, is a fantastic leader, a fantastic person. And I just think that what they do, right. The promotion of patient experience, helping people in that space, be better at what they're, you know, sharing tips and tricks and strategies. And Mm -hmm. that's that those would be the three, Uh, you know, I just, I just admire what they're doing. No, I mean, a great group and you'd be a good fit. I mean, their mission and vision is, is kind of what you like to. So that that's a good question. So now I have to remember this question to ask you the next time I'm going to a random question thing. Yeah. I, now I'm curious to see what yours would be. You notice I haven't answered. Yeah, like, you're not volunteering any either, right? You're, you're not pissing off people who are watching this. That's what you're doing. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of more, uh, you know, the, the, in a lot of ways, it's your preference. It's what interests you, right? So, I mean, you know, but it's also what companies are exciting and what organizations are exciting and doing interesting things, making an impact, right? Right. So, <laughs> so here's my question, which is somewhat uh, related to uh, this. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny we actually choose the same questions, similar oh, really? questions. So my question is, what are the three companies that are going to make the biggest impact on patients in 2022? Oh, on patients. That's interesting. So... If I look at the impact on patients, well, uh, you know, and companies is harder. I, I wish you would have said, uh, you know, categories. Categories, <laughs> categories well, would have. Well, so, I mean, I guess I'd choose the leader in that category, maybe. Is that <laughs> I'm trying to think through because, I mean, I would say the biggest impact is probably going to be the uh, patient engagement companies, mm. the whole digital front door companies. Okay. So, you know, I, I would lead with that one maybe first, right, as a category that's really going to make a change for patients for the good. And so if I were trying to say who's going to be the leader in that, you know, it's hard to argue with well health. I think they're doing some incredible stuff, right? So I, I think, you know, they have a broad footprint. They have impact. Although oh, Innovacir is, uh, or Innovacer, I've never yeah. known which way you pronounce that. But, <laughs> you know, that, that company is, I mean, they just got a $3.2 billion valuation. That's right, that's right. And they actually have a broader picture. So um, maybe uh, one of those two. Uh, in fact, maybe I'll just do two. See, then I, I cheated there. Yeah. <laughs> two, there for one, uh, two for one. Two for one. But then, I, you know, I think the other one that um, 
is going to be interesting is a company that we you probably wouldn't have expected that I think is going to have a dramatic impact on patients is actually NVIDIA. Really? Yeah. Okay, NVIDIA. NVIDIA. And now here's why NVIDIA is so interesting for patients is because they're going to power the AI of almost every other mm, health IT company. Okay, true. So the NVIDIA GPUs mm. and everything that they're doing as far as, you know, being able to do AI in the cloud and things like that, that's going to transform hundreds of health IT companies that's then going to impact the patients in a massive way. I mean, we saw that during COVID. I think we talked about this on a previous episode, just the way they were able to distribute the AI findings across 20 hospital systems across, you know, I think four continents or something like that. And they, and they were able to do it by sending the AI findings back to the cloud, but in a way where the data didn't have to leave the health system. And so that's just a powerful example, but they're doing this across hundreds of companies. And so when you think about the impact they're having uh, in the AI space, and they're actually doing it in the radiology space, et cetera. I mean, patients are going to benefit so much from the NVIDIA technology. Interesting. Interesting. That's still only two, you cheated, but you only have two <laughs> categories and three companies. So you got to give me one more category. Give us yeah, one more category. One more category. So, you know, let's see what else is going to impact. I mean, analytics and AI are so impactful, but, uh, you know, let, let's go with someone a little bit different. Uh, well, I guess you said patients. You know, I think healthcare organizations would be easier. I was going to go mention some legacy IT companies and stuff, but uh, that doesn't quite work, I guess, in that way. So I guess if we're talking patients still, uh, I would say, how? Oh, yeah. How about the uh, direct to consumer oh, companies and, right. and and kind of primary care direct consumer? Sure. So one of those, I think, that's you know going to be really impactful. Uh, you know, oh man, I think I might take the um, forward health. Okay. I, I don't. I mean, that's a pretty bold prediction. I, you know, and, and I need to get to know them better. But someone like that, I right. think, is going to have that amazing impact. That's like we want to transform the way primary care is provided, rather than just you know profit from the existing system. So. Uh, yeah, I'll throw forward health in there. Forward health in there. Very good. Very good. I like those. Those are good choices, John. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, because yeah, when we restricted just the patient experience, that's a pretty hard one. But I like it. I like the the first thing you mentioned about the um, the uh, patient intake mm-hmm. and, and the digital front door, because even though we might see a decline in telehealth funding, um, I think the digital front door is definitely got the boost now where people go, yep, I need to invest in this now. I think mm-hmm. people see the need for that, especially with the f- amount of reforms that we have to fill out online and, and just getting people to the right uh, facility and you mm-hmm. know that, all that kind of stuff, which is all related to the front door, I think is definitely... Yeah, definitely good. I wish I could have said interoperability because I mean, I just see how many <laughs> patients are suffering from the lack of interoperability. But I, I just think that our system is so separated mm that you know there's some interoperability people the technology's there right they're doing great work but there's just so many fiefdoms that like unfortunately the technology is going to have a bit of a muted impact for the patients so. right right hey if you're just tuning in you're listening to healthcare IT today with John Lynn and Colin Hunt Today, we're surprising each other with four random questions about health IT, and truly, we're being surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Off the cuff, baby. It is totally off the cuff. It's totally off the cuff. Okay. So kind of, again, related to the last question I just asked you around um, what what three companies are going to really hit it big next year, 
it, let's let's do the opposite. What are some of the things in health IT that you feel are completely overrated? Oh man, overrated. <laughs> Not companies, but just what what Technology. what technologies and okay. what, what's overrated in health IT. Well, I think what's really interesting is that um, if you're willing to pay money for it, like mm -hmm. that's a, such a high bar, right? Like okay. <laughs> people don't part with their money that easily. Sure. And so I think, you know, you know, and I think most of them are pretty grounded. So that makes for a, a hard question. <clears throat> you know, I probably would have said Watson Health, but does that even exist anymore? <laughs> uh, I, you know, which I guess illustrates it, right? Yeah, but, but there, I think there what you're talking about is that, you know, the application of AI in uh, to diagnosis. I think that's still a bit overhyped. I totally yeah, agree with exactly you. that, you know, it's, it, 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 yeah. So I think that idea, right, that the AI is going to replace the doctor just not going to happen. It's mm. going to augment it. Yeah, great. exactly. And so I, I think that's one example that I think is just really powerful as far as, you know, like it's, it's overhyped. Right. We want to get there. Sure. Right. Uh, I think of uh, the Suki founder when he was talking mm. to him and, and he talked about, you know, even the, the future of ambient clinical voice and he's, he, his view was, Ambient clinical voice will never become a reality in the sense of totally AI driven. Mm. It works fine with the back end, uh, essentially, you know, transcriptionists, you right. know, that, that are doing the work. He's like, but if we were to build ambient clinical voice to its full capacity, he's like, we're essentially creating a doctor. Mm. Which is what you know the the promise was of many of the AI, and many people thought the promise was. So I, I think that's really interesting to think about. It's like, and is that possible? Hopefully, in our lifetimes, I'd love for that to be possible, right? Okay. But um, in the immediate future, that that's a long way. You know, you know, on my deathbed, I think we might be seeing it, and I'll be <laughs> and I'll be like, hey, oh, you just diagnosed me, great, you know. So I, I'd say that's one that you know is overrated. I yeah. like it. I, uh, I think I agree with you. With you. Totally agree. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, a second category that's a bit overrated is, um, yeah, this is so tough to think through, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I go back to what do the CIOs really want, mm -hmm. right? And what's on their strategic vision. And I think there's a, a, a number of technologies that just don't make it there. Okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think one, for example, is the symptom checker. Uh, okay. you know the symptom checker on the website right. uh unfortunately it goes counter to the business models of today and so you know it, it's we all look at it and say oh that seems cool right and that should help and that will reduce uh, urgent care visits or you know ed visits and then the doctors are like wait or the healthcare organizations like no we actually need those visits <laughs> so I, unfortunately i think that one's probably not going to have the success maybe they'll go hit the employer space right. because they're paying for it uh, but yeah, I think that one's a, a bit of a tough challenge. Um, and then I'll just throw in the uh, trying to AI everything. Okay. Like there's a few things that don't need AI, right? Like, um, do I really need AI to monitor my scrub distribution? I don't know, right? right? <laughs> you know, like maybe that's a little overkill, right? Like, right. I mean, you know, and so, and, you know, I'm using AI in a really broad way, right? I mean, it's kind of machine learning analytics, right. but, you know, so I guess maybe just that those edge use cases of AI that's like, did we really need it there? Like, I don't, I don't know. That seems like a, <laughs> a bit of a, a misuse, of, you know, or an overuse of, of the technology.
Cool. Yeah. All right. So here's your uh, third question. Oh, man. All right. So think back on your career. Oh, and let's imagine you had a time machine. I mean, you are the sci-fi nerd, so you, you understand <laughs> time machines. And if, if you could change one thing about the trajectory of your career, what would you change? Oh, wow. What would I have changed about the trajectory of my career? Yeah, and it could be, you know, that maybe uh, the choice of company you worked at or it could be the oh. you know place you went. You know, I mean, you obviously started as a programmer. Many people don't know. And you became a marketer, you know, yeah, through, through sales, you know, through the sales. Yeah. Thing. I mean, you were traveling 365 yeah. days a year. I think there's, only, there's not even that many days in a year. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I, that's an interesting question. I've thought about I've I've thought about that sometimes. Like, would I have changed anything? Of course, you would say the you know the, the right answer is I wouldn't change anything because I probably wouldn't be the person I am today if sure. I hadn't gone through those experiences, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't uh, be working with me. Yeah, I wouldn't be working with you, right? That's true. <laughs> That's true. Maybe. Um, yeah. So I, you know, and you know, I definitely have enjoyed. I've been pretty lucky in my career. I've worked with amazing people, amazing teams, and made me part of amazing cultures. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm spoiled. So yeah. definitely, I wouldn't change okay. that that part. Is there a skill that you would have? But yeah, I was gonna say. So I think I think along the way, if I would change anything about my career, this is gonna sound corny. Um, I would change two things. One, I think I would have changed my career much earlier into healthcare because i got into healthcare kind of late like it took me about six seven years of working before i really got into healthcare um and i think i if i had found that sooner i think i would have been a lot happier than because when i was working with the banks no offense to the bankers out there (laughs) they were pretty boring (laughs) and and like what we were doing was kind of like yeah i'm really helping people you know figure out their mortgages a little bit better but it was really not not fulfilling yeah so i was missing that in the first part of my career so that would be one thing i would say is, is definitely i would have gone into healthcare a little bit earlier the, the second thing i i would would say is um i would definitely um change how much i worked because <laughs> ah, i i like I'm, I'm workaholic as you know i'm up late all the time i think i would go back and change like hey like you know what it's seven o'clock at night you can turn the computer off. Like you can, you can go mm-hmm. and do other things and things like that. I think that's probably one of the other thing I would change. Yeah. Now that is life's such a tough balance, yeah. right? Uh, when yeah. you look at it, it's, but what's interesting, especially in healthcare, and in my case, my hobby became my job. Right. Cause I used to turn off my work and then do my hobby, which was, you know, blogging at the time. Right. So and now my life is like, so, I mean, that was always hard for me because, you know, normally you have, you know, we're about to hit the holiday season. Right. I guess as they listen to it, they'll they'll uh, hear it after the holiday season. But it's like during the holiday season, what do you do? Right. Well, usually you do your hobbies, right? right. Well, when your hobby is your job, like saying don't do your job is kind of like punishment, not. <laughs> so it, it's just a funny balance, this life. Huh? It is. It is. I and mean, it's true. Like, you know, now that I'm in healthcare, I'm like, I love what I do, everything I do. So it's it, it's hard to turn it off because like, oh, I'm having so much fun doing this stuff. But but yeah, I probably in the early part of my career, I probably would have, you know, when I was developing, when I was doing some mm-hmm. other things, I would just I would go back and tell myself, you know what? Turn that thing off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get into a zone when you're programming. That's so. right. That's right. You get in a zone. All right. Here's my last question for you, John. You go to a lot of conferences and you talk a lot on, on this podcast and other ones about some of the things we love about going to conferences. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you don't like about conferences? Oh, I don't like sitting in a plane. <laughs> okay. I like going places. I don't like traveling. <laughs> 
but uh you know that that part aside um i think the thing i i hate most about conferences is the superlatives that i hear Mm. over and over right i mean call it buzzwords call it whatever and and, oh yeah even more than that is the crappy question (laughs) you're like (laughs) did you just ask something that we all know the answer to and and maybe i'm slightly biased because i go to too many events and conferences and so you know like maybe there's others in the room and i'm not their target audience and that's fair but like oh you hear some of it and you're like that was the worst question ever. Like I, I can't handle those. Ty- you know, I, I basically just hop on my computer. Thankfully for phones and Wi-Fi, we can do something else when it's boring like that. But you know, like I, I just cannot handle that. And then I also I really don't like events that don't have a good social engagement. Mm. So whether and and now that could be some engagement on Twitter, but it doesn't necessarily have to be right. Uh, but that can obviously prompt some of the in-person social engagement. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been tweeting and, and the person next to me like holds up their phone and shows it to me. And like my picture's there from my Twitter. Profile. They're like, that's you. Huh? I, love, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it doesn't happen as much anymore, which is interesting too. But you know, like, but yeah, when it's, it's really just go to the session, go get some food. No one wants to talk at meals. And you're like, it's like awkward because they're just not talking. Like, anyway, I, I love the engagement and mm-hmm. the opportunity to learn about that person sure. in that, you know, organization. And so when it's, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, focused around the education, which may, may work for some, you know, conferences, especially if you have CMEs and things like that. But for me, you know, I want to have as many chances to have fun, to connect. I mean, and people think, oh, you want to go have fun? And my kids say, oh, dad, you're going to have fun, which it's like, true, yeah, I'm going to have fun. But I love that piece of the work. Oh, that's cool. I thought, I thought you would have said the food. Uh, <laughs> I hate the food <laughs> conferences. No offense to most conferences, but you know, like those exhibit halls, it's not their fault, but exhibit hall food is terrible. Yeah, I don't mind it so much as long as it's not the box lunch. If it's uh, the box lunch, then I would say the food. <laughs> <laughs> they never work for me. <laughs> What's your last question for me, John? Yeah. So the last one for you is uh, you know, I hit conferences as well. You know, a little, little hit make a <laughs> shout out here, but. Uh, What's the best health IT conference experience that you've ever had? And not necessarily conference itself, but like individual, like, you know, maybe wow. it was an evening event or maybe it was a keynote or was a, you know, a, a breakout session or exhibit hall experience. What, what's the thing that's best that you ever saw and why was it so good? Oh, geez. That's so I, so I first have to say of the type of conferences I go to, my favorite is gotta be user groups. Mm. So you, I love user group conferences because there's just that, there's something about everyone having that right away, that one common, extra yeah, common element, It does, right? Like, Crazy. hey, you're all users of this product. You're all in healthcare. Like it's just, people tend to be much more engaging with each other. There's mm-hmm. this sort of energy there. And usually companies go a little all, all out, right? Yeah, the, the experience true. is really good. So I love, those ones i think that's that's really um, a good experience um but i have to say and this is going to sound corny again my first hitmic conference was probably my favorite experience because as as with anyone who ever goes for the first time which by the way if you've never gone you got to go to hitmic right go to hitmic.com look at all the conferences but hashtag shameless plug plug. (laughs) this was not planned by the way not planned but it was that it's what everyone says when you first go to a hitmic conference it was like you realize that you're not alone in what you're doing and the, and the challenges that we face as healthcare marketers in it 
are faced by everyone else. And so it was just really amazing to be around other people who are either going through the same challenge or have been through it and who totally understand like the jargon problems and the mm -hmm. working with sales and the long sales cycles. And, and before going to that conference, I really hadn't had that many uh, peers, if you will. And so what was really amazing about that conference, that first experience was just being able to connect with people who were just like me. And so that was amazing. That feeling is not one that I've been able to replicate too many times. Just that whole camaraderie and the peer and the learning. And anyway, it was, that's, yeah. that's the one I would say. That's a good one. I would say, you know, for me, it was, I think my third or fourth hymns. Uh, and yeah. I was sitting there, it was, it was at the end of the exhibit hall and I was waiting to go to a party or meeting someone. I can't remember. And I was sitting in the hallway, just, you know, on my phone doing stuff. And as I was sitting there, like four or five people came by, Hey, John. And, you know, we gave a hug and, you know, back when we could have hugs and, uh, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I, I remember thinking, wow, this experience is so good mm. to see so many people that I know that I care about that I was able to catch up with. It's like, I, it was like, I almost found that rhythm of like, Oh, okay. Now this is my home, right? right? Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And connecting with those people is so powerful. So that would be my, yeah, that was, that was in my head too. Those, the first hymns, just being walking the exhibit hall for the first time and realizing, Oh my gosh, there's like a thousand vendors in here. Yeah. And that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the meet the bloggers panel at the first. Hymns, oh yeah. I remember I, that. And where I announced like, you know, they said, well, how many of you are full-time? Like they didn't believe blogs could actually be full-time. And no one else did either. And I said, well, you know, when I get back from this, I'm quitting the job in full-time media. And they're like, wow. You know, like, but immediately you know, being there with the other people who had done, you know, we were just grinding in our free time at yeah. the time. So yeah, it's amazing how far it's come. Yeah. Yeah. Those experiences are great. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who listened and tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page at healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lynn. Thanks for listening and have a great week.